2: Everybody and thank you for joining me today on Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, December twelfth, two thousand eighteen, and of course we're counting down the days for Christmas here. I mean, what two weeks away? What's really nice is my wife doesn't like uh, doesn't really like Christmas gifts, so I don't have to really buy anything. Isn't that nice? I mean, how many wives would do that? Anyways, I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today on Invest Talk. It's our daily objective to try to make you an above-average investor, to help you achieve that goal of being better at investing. You're never going to be great. I mean, that's for the rare peoples like Warren Buffett, but we all can be better at it, and that and that is a matter of learning. It's a function of me teaching and you learning. So if you've got investment questions, I'm here to answer them. You can call our listener line. It's open all the time. The number is 888-99-CHART. The Dow, and the S&P and the NASDAQ are up pretty strong today. They ended up being the Dow was up 157 points, the NASDAQ's up 66, and the S P and up 14. But it was a lot higher in that during the day. But it did and was able to maintain a positive day, which it hasn't been able to do that recently. I mean, well, with yesterday, we had a huge swing of 1,500 points on the Dow, up and down. So that's it's a huge swing. We didn't have that much, but the volatility has been pretty strong, pretty violent. So, uh, and of course, you know the and the news today, the all the talk about the partial or the government shutdown, partials government. I don't think the market's going to care. I really don't. First of all, it's not going to be a whole government shutdown. And remember, we've gone through this a number of times and nothing really happens. So I don't think the market's really going to react to it. And remember, it's supposed to happen on December 21st. And I'm sure you, everybody saw in the news uh, Trump wanting funding for his wall and Pelosi saying no, basically. And there was a little tête-à-tête. I kind of like watching it. I mean... <laughs> I think it should all all those I think none of that should be in behind closed doors. I think all negotiations of, between the Republicans and the Democrats should be out in the open. We should see it if we want to see it. Why not? I don't see any reason not to. I think it'd be interesting. And I think it also make them much more cautious of what they do and say because the public is to see it. And should we be able to see it? What why is it a secret? I would love to see that. Do you see the thing about the article about Netflix? Netflix holders should be pretty happy. They beat Amazon and Hulu. Netflix has a 93% renewal rate. Amazon Prime renewal rate is 75%. 93%. That's huge. And you know that Disney is trying to get into this, this streaming entertainment business. Uh, so you're going to see that happening over the next few years. And there's going to be more more competition. In the, uh, Netflix is going to be facing more competition. We'll see. Uh, let's see. What else is in the news that I thought was interesting? Google's shares were up 17%. Uh, and, and that's surprising because the Google CEO was on Capitol Hill answering questions. You know what? I, I think that Google, I can see Google being broken up. As a, I can see it being cast as a monopoly and bring broken up someday. Now, I can see that happening. And that could be true with Amazon at some point, too, to a certain degree. This is going to be interesting over the next few years, how they're going to be treated. Now, whether you're an experienced investor or you're new to the market, the volatility of October, November, December has probably caught your attention cuz it's pretty violent. So, as stocks, bonds and commodities fail, flail around. Uh, one technician is claiming that one area of the market looks pretty safe. What is he referring to? What area of the market looks pretty safe? I'll break that down in the story in a few minutes. But first, let's make time for a question from our anytime listener line number 888-99 chart. Hi, my name is Brian. I'm calling from Sioux Falls South.
1: I listen to you guys on podcasts every day. My question is about ADRs and ETFs that follow uh, foreign stock exchanges. As the uh, stock exchanges fluctuate overseas after hours, what causes those funds as they're traded during our hours to fluctuate? Thanks for answering my question.
2: Okay, so let's say you have uh, a stock in the Netherlands that's trading on the Netherlands Stock Exchange and it's also trading on our exchange here as an ADR. And overnight, that stock moves up and down in the price in the Netherlands. Well, whatever ending price of that day or even in the middle of the day, it it will be reflected at the opening price of our market. So it's up three dollars. This stock, uh, three or up three percent, or one percent, or two percent. I use percentages instead of the actual dollars because it would be in uh, euros, not dollars, in the Netherlands. And so uh, well, let's say it's up one percent for the day. Well, our market would that stock would open up higher about one percent. I don't say exactly, but about one percent. So now, when I, now now it's going to trade on our market, right? Up and down, up and down, up and down when their market is closed. And then when their market opens, it's going to reflect the same percentage move up or down in our market, close to, not exactly the same. So that's how that works. Okay, so when it's changing in different markets, they're not always exactly the same. They're not, do because it doesn't have to be, but it is usually pretty darn close. Okay. Today's main talking point, former Federal Reserve chairperson, chairman, I'm not supposed to say chairman because it's Janet Yellen and that's not politically correct. So I'm going to say chairman because I don't care about politics. Uh, Yellen is openly warning of another potential financial crisis. So Janet Yellen is saying that there's a potential financial crisis. You got to read the details though. Her concerns are leveraged loans and unfinished regulation. So we're going to talk about that today. In a little, bit, a little bit more detail. Also, the S&P 500 lows. According to Gunlatch, you know who he is? He says we haven't seen anything yet. Hmm. The Farm Bill is passed today. $867, billion. $867 Now, that's over five years, by the way. $867 billion. Do you know what the Farm Bill does? What's in it? What are they spending that money on? Now, I can't give you all the details, but I'll give you some general general categories that they do. Okay, and I want to talk about inflation. Inflation numbers have been out. You know, this is something, you know, that the Federal Reserve has been worrying about, worrying about, and they used to use the argument to raise rates earlier on the year and last year. Well, you know, we're going to have inflation. we got to stay ahead of it. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that today. <laughs> yeah, there, there really is no concern about inflation. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is our number. Love to talk to you. So the market was pretty volatile today. We've had four or five very volatile days in a row. So what? what where, where are we going to go from here? Is the market putting in a bottom? Are we going to have our Christmas rally? Um, are we moving into a bear market situation? Well, no one really knows, and no one really can tell you. Yeah, no one can't. Yeah, what amazes me is that pundits out there try to say that. Yeah, it is. You're listening to Best Talk. I'm CPZ, and we're heading to a quick one-minute break. On the other side, I'll explain how and why there may be one area of the market that looks to be saved. We'll talk about that. And of course, I'm taking your questions at 888 99 chart.
0: Christmas holiday is fast approaching, so as we move through the final trading days of 2018, this might be a good time to ask yourself an important question. Are you doing everything possible to make sure that your investments are performing as well as they should be? Well, you can get answers and learn more at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve is here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART.
2: 888-99-CHART, today's main talking point, former Federal Reserve Chairperson, Chairman, Chair, or whatever you want to call him, is openly warning of another potential financial crisis. Her concerns are leveraged loans and unfinished regulation. So we want to talk about that a little bit. Um, what she was complaining about it is that these things are issues that are still outstanding, but if you read deeply into the report, She's saying that this, another financial crisis may not be in her lifetime. So she's talking 20, 30 years away that this will happen. No one really knows when there will be. I can tell you this there will be another financial crisis. Because there always is one. There's been, there were one, they go back to the 19, 1800s. Some type or form of financial crisis will develop. Where it's going to come from, it's very difficult. To know and but her warning is that you know some of the regulations they put in that they were over regulations to me over regulating uh have been backed down a little bit and then she thinks that's a concern uh she's also concerned about uh uh the 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 the, the, the uh, leveraged loans that have been made it's part of the reason that some of these loans have been made is because of the Federal Reserve's own actions of making money so cheap. So, you know, they have to take some responsibility here on their, of, of their own. You know, there are people arguing, we don't even need a Federal Reserve. And those arguments are not unfounded because the Federal Reserve has made, caused a lot of economic uh, stresses just by their actions. And everybody wonders, well, maybe if they didn't take the actions they took, would, would we have? I mean, remember what their job is supposed to be, keep the dollar level, keep inflation under control, keep the economy, you know, steady. I mean, that's kind of their their mandate. And they they're not that very good at it, in my personal opinion. That's just my opinion. But, you know, I don't know. You got to take everything she says with a grain of salt. Uh, I, 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 I've been looking and watching the Federal Reserve for, I don't know, 40 years and they seem to be just as wrong as they are right. So, now let's let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, get another caller question in. This call came in earlier at 99 chart.
1: Hi, this is
0: Stan from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, on the Tuesday, December fourth show, Steve was talking about bond funds in a rising interest rate environment, and he mentioned floating rate bonds. Uh, if you take a look at a bond fund like FLOT over the last couple days, Monday and Tuesday, it's really taken a pretty serious hit, and I think it's at close to a 52-week low. Any reason for that uh, precipitous drop? I mean, you know, they were supposed to be insulated against uh, increasing interest rates. Appreciate the uh, show and uh, your answer to the question. Have a great
1: day. Bye.
2: Okay, Uh, exchange traded fund. It's uh, iShares floating rate bond fund. Exchange traded fund uh, uh, responding to the Barclays US floating rating note five year index. And uh, I'm trying to read the articles real fast. Uh, That's the best way to write South. I can't read it fast enough to find out what happened. It did have a sharp sell-off. Uh, and, you know, floating rate bonds, remember, I, I, the bonds are going to act poorly in a rising interest rate environment. But I noticed that in recent times, that actually, the good quality bonds actually acting pretty well, whereas the, the junk bonds have not. And this, this bond fund went from, what, $50.80, 75 cents or so, down to $50.25 dollars 25 And then bounced up to $50.46. And there's probably a reason for that. It could be a variety of things. I'd have to look up, and I'm not sure what it is. But it's a floating rate five-year index. So it's a short-term bond fund, and it won't move very dramatically. I mean, if you look at the percentage of that move, it was a half a percent, and that was a huge move. You know, so... So, uh, you know it's just not a big move percentage wise even though you look at a chart you think it is it's not you're listening to invest talk I'm Steve Peasling. and I believe that every investor should determine their individual risk tolerance as a as a first step of building their prof their profitable, their profitable investment story so give me a call 888 99 chart
0: This is Invest Talk, the KPP premium newsletter distributed to each subscriber's inbox on Fridays, provides a summary of the market week that was, offers a look ahead, and even points out notable stock ideas. You can subscribe anytime at InvestTalk.com. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART.
2: 888-99-CHARTS, 888-992-4278. We had, I teased you a little bit about uh, a technician saying there's one corner of the market that still works in good times and bad times. Well, we're going to go into that a little bit. And you know the market has, is kind of, you know, is down for the year. I mean, it's not tremendously down for the year, but it's basically not down for the year. Now, this analyst said that the standout is managed care within equity severe because it strikes the balance as Far as getting away from the whole risk on, risk off, market timing debate, in 2017, managed healthcare rallied 42 percent, more than double the S&P 500's advance, and for 2018, this year, the S&P's managed healthcare industry has gone up. Well, it's it's kind of a defensive sector of the market, right? Because you're going to need managed healthcare facilities, no matter. What the economy does, so it's kind of anti-cyclical, which is a good place to be when you're going into a, 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 a you know a, a weak stock market or an, a slowing economic environment. So we're talking about companies like Anthem, Cigna, United Healthcare. As a matter of fact, this is going to be part of my uh, part of my uh, class tomorrow on Invest Talk Academy. Uh, I'm going to talk, be talking about insurance. Insurance says. You know, just insurance in general and insurance as an investment. Managed care systems or insurance has rallied up 19% this year. So we're going to talk about that. Remember, you don't necessarily have to have a specific sector bet, but you should have something that has, you know, consistent, stable earnings growth uh, or consistent, stable dividends you know, and a rising, stable rising of dividends, and that yeah, this area, managed care is is a good area to be in for that, for those purposes. So it does help against it. De, it is in the stock market, so it can go down and it can be violent, but it generally does holds up very well in weaker markets. Okay. So when you get to the point where you realize that you would benefit from professional unbiased guidance, how about I do give us a give us a, give us a ring? I encourage you to reach out to the, either myself or Justin at KPP Financial in our Dana Point offices, um, and that number is of course 888 99 chart, where you can leave a question and we'll answer it. On we'll call you back. We'll talk about your portfolio, whatever you want to do. Let's go to Tarek in Boston. How you doing, Tarek?
1: Hey Steve, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I had a quick question regarding Morgan Stanley. I have it in my long-term portfolio, and as you know, bank stocks have been taking quite a beating uh, lately. That whole large-cap bank area, and uh, I mm-hmm. thought it might be a good idea to just uh, add to it, but at the same time, I don't want to, you know, fall in that value trap. So, do you see it bottoming me uh, out rather right anytime soon, or uh, what's your take on it?
2: On a chart, it's not telling me yet that this is a bottom, okay? Uh, 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 I don't know if I would take the chart of adding to it. Now, Morgan Stanley, of course, is a strong financial institution. It's huge, $70 billion. It makes lots of money, and it's probably going to make lots of money in the future. So it's not one of those holdings, Tarek, that you got to worry about that, you know, gosh, five years from now, is it going to be in business? No, <laughs> no, this company will be around and make lots of money. But I can't tell you it's hit bottom yet. That's what I cannot tell you. I think I think it's still going to have to wait. What I'd what I'd look for for a signal is for the breakup of its 50-day moving average. That might tell you that it's finally on the mend. And right now, that 50-day moving average is like $45.50. And the stock is at $40.81. Right. So you know, I would wait for a signal that says, oh, okay, because it looks like it's having a hard time breaking up above that 50-day moving average ever since back last March. So it goes up to it, breaks it a little bit, then comes right back down. So I, I think you want to see a break above that. And then that might give you the signal, okay, I can get in. Um, yeah, they're strong. And it's a good pick for your financial sector of your portfolio, Tarek, it really is. Uh, That's Morgan Stanley. Thanks Great, for the call. Thanks. <coughs> Excuse me. Doris in the Bay Area wants to talk about portfolio management. How are you doing, Doris?
1: Good. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, Thank you. I have a question regarding strategy. So, my portfolio is a little bit of, um, tech heavy, maybe 60% of okay. tech stocks, and so on is pretty much down. And I am maybe at least 20 years from away from retirement. So would mm-hmm. the best strategy would be just hold on to it and do nothing right now.
2: No, I think you need to reduce your exposure to the sector. You said it's how much of your portfolio? Maybe 60%. Yeah, see, that's really, really, really high. Uh, it shouldn't be more than about 20%. The, the problem is, is when it does get hit, it can get hit much worse than the overall market. So it takes a lot longer to recover when it does recover. And yeah, it, it will recover. That, that I'll tell you. It, it will recover, Doris. But it may not recover in the same tech stocks that you have right now. You know, because tech is, you know, there's a lot of companies that, come into favor and a lot that go out. You know, uh, a company that was in favor the last tech cycle up, this cycle is is looks like it's going to go out of business. So it's not a sector that's very secure. And you got to be right on top of it. But I think if you have way too much, I'd, I'd probably cut back. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Tomorrow on in Invest Uber and Uber and Lyft file their IPO. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. 888-99-CHART.
3: To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call Invest Talk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go-to research tool? YCharts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable.
2: YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use YCharts every day.
3: YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds,
2: indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YCharts has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bluebird Terminal.
3: And now our listeners can try YCharts for free.
0: You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that Y Charts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous Y Charts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious. Get Y Charts. Have you visited InvestTalkAcademy.com? You should. It can help you learn to invest like a pro because it features online classes that can teach you how to grow your investments independently. And you can learn more at investdocacademy.com. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here and the lines are open.
2: 888-99-CHART. So the farm bill just got passed the House and the Senate passed a bill and it's on uh, President uh, Trump's desk for a signature. It's $867 billion. That's, I mean, that's, that's close to a trillion dollars, everybody. In 2014, there was $489 billion. Now, in 2019, here, five years, 2018, 19, because uh, the, the Farm Bill comes up every five years, in case you didn't know that. Every five years it comes up. So, here in, in five years, it's not a little less than double, but man, that's a huge increase. Now, what does it do, the Farm Bill? I mean, I know you all heard about it. And I've heard about it. It comes around every five years and they talk about it. This thing is not just what it was designed for in 1933. FDR, was called the Adjust uh, Agricultural Adjustment Act, and it was pro- to provide subsidies to, to for poor farmers. Farmers whose crops are ruined and they couldn't, so it gave them money. It basically gave them, that's what a subsidy is. Gave them money so they can continue farming. These days, that's just a minor part. Minor part. 80% of this $867 billion goes to nutrition for poor families. Food. To give people food. That's what this does. 80% of it. 80% Eight oh. What is it supposed to do? What are the categories it's supposed to cover? It covers commodities, conservation, trade, nutrition, credit, U.S. rural, rural development, research, forestry, energy, horticulture, and miscellaneous. (laughs) It covers everything. It's grown to this monstrous thing that probably super few of us ever even knows what it does. But 80% of it goes for the food programs, different food programs, okay? That's what 80% of it goes for. The other 20% guess goes for all these other things. But can you believe how big that is, though? $800 billion. $867 billion. Let's talk to Dan in San Diego. How you doing, Dan? Pretty good,
1: Steve. Good to hear you again. Um, I was calling Thank about SNR.
2: Okay. That new senior investment group?
1: That's the one. I've gotten a, a position in it and I took it a, a little while ago, but it's been falling in the last couple of weeks. And I've been wondering if that might be due to tax loss selling or maybe institutional selling since it's dropped below $5 a share. I was wondering what. Uh, your numbers are for
2: the future on it. I think that's where the problem lies, Dan. Uh, It's a new senior investment group, the symbol is SNR. It's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust that acquires, owns, and manages 133 senior housing properties in 37 states. And you buy this, of course, for the dividend. It's paying a really high dividend at this rate at $11. And a REIT has to pay 90% of their income out in the form of a dividend. The problem is, is after having income over a dollar a share for almost its entire existence, this year it's only going to make $0.14 cents a share. And next year, $0.60 cents a share. So that 11% dividend yield, dividend yield, that's going to be hard to maintain. It's going to be hard well, to maintain they reduced, uh, because they're going to... It go ahead.
1: Yeah, it's go about, ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, what? They reduced their dividend. They cut it in half.
2: Yeah, they would have to because they're not making the money. Now, so that really makes the stock go down, right? So I think it might be close to the end of this bad cycle. It's hard to know. I'd have to take a look at this particular wreath, but it looks pretty inexpensive, even though the earnings have gone down. Remember, the earnings are supposed to go up to $0. 60 cents a share next year. It's a $4 stock, so that means it's about a 7 or There are eight, an eight PE, and that's pretty low, okay? Yeah. But the return of equity is not, the the fundamental numbers are not very good, but the sales did go up the most recent quarter. Before that, sales were consistently down. It might be near the bottom here. As long as you don't own too much of it, uh, Dan, you might want to hold on to it because, you know, you already took the pain. That's
1: what I was thinking. It's kind of painful right now. Yeah, I think
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I might All hold right. on to it as long as, as long as. Appreciate it, Dan. Thanks for the call. It's always hard to know because you know it's been going down, down, down. The high of was nineteen dollars a share back in two thousand fourteen. Well, here it is at four dollars and seventy cents. And I'd have to take a look at the internals and the financials, but man, if it's going to earn what they say they're going to earn, this this yeah, it's now a bargain. Of course, bargains can look. Bad if they go out of business. This is the Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasling. We're streaming and broadcast live here on Invest Talk at four to five hour every Monday through Friday, and it's also, of course, available twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, week via archive, archive podcast at investtalk.com. So I hope you tell your friends and family and everybody else you can think of to listen to the show. We'd love to have them as part of the podcast family. Uh, um, And remember, you can download it and you listen to it anytime you want. So, yeah. And now the lines are open. We are taking your financial investing questions live, 888 99 Chart.
0: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where their commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make you a better investor. We are headed into the final trading sessions of 2018. And now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for help with your portfolio. Start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Dana Point, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The InvestTalk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open, and you can call with your questions. 888-99-CHART.
1: Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Max from Michigan. I have a question about newsletter that went out a while ago. There was a recommendation or an idea for shorting. My question is, do those types of instruments belong in a long-term retirement portfolio if you have no other shorting
2: mechanism in the portfolio? And I'll listen for an answer on the podcast or the show tonight. Thanks. Bye. Well, we don't really recommend shorting or doing any kind of uh, anti-market move like that for people who don't understand how it works or understand the the mechanisms used. I, I don't like people shorting just because they think uh, the market's going to go down and they really don't know what they're doing. Shorting it can be a very good hedge to hold up a market in a bear market, hold up your portfolio in a bear market. But, how much should you short? Where should you short? And when do you get out of your short? Those are all very difficult questions, and not not for the faint of heart or people not experienced. Long term portfolios, nah, you don't need to short. But if but that, we're meaning long term portfolios, did you leave alone? So you they stay invested, and you leave them alone, 10, 20, 30 years. You don't try to you know try to time market any way, shape, or form. Timing the market does not work. Hedging the market because you think a recession is coming in is a smart thing to do. But how do you know? You know, and when do you know to get back in the market once you get on the market? So I don't recommend shorting for just anybody. I really don't. We do in, in uh, one of our managed accounts, but only in one. In the other accounts, we don't short, but we, we are defensive. How do you become defensive? Well, you migrate from high-growth stocks to more defensive-type stocks, and we did that all this year. You know, so you know slowly. <laughs> you know, and you know, and, and then you take when you do pay profits or you do rebalance, you don't have to invest all that money. You can leave it in cash for a while. We've done that too. So, shorting is more for the aggressive, more dynamic. Uh, uh, Um, individual who wants to be more active. And being more active is not always the best thing to do. It's not. So just be very, very careful if you're going to short. But, you know, we put out those ideas in our newsletter at the times that we think it might be useful. Let's put it that way. And we put that, that the shorting ideas in the newsletter several weeks ago. I don't remember exactly when. 888-99-CHARTERS, our number, 888-992-4278. Okay, CPI, PPI, these are inflation, consumer price index, the producer price index. Okay, the producer price index is the inflation at the producer level. In other words, those companies that make things, do they have inflation for their input products? So they take in products that they have to buy to make their product and sell it to us. Are they seeing inflation pressures? And then the CPI is a consumer price index. That's the, at our level when we buy it. So does the producer pass along his inflation to us? And that's why you have two reports, a CPI and a PPI. Now, last month, if you remember, when I reported on these numbers, I said that the numbers were high, but but we already seen, you know, but they already seen the, I think it was well, 2 Two and a half percent, and anyway, it's on an annual basis. Now it's two point two. It's gone down. Okay, um, and the Federal Reserve target is two percent. Why do they go down? Remember last month I said we're already seeing uh, oil prices come way off, and that's going to produce lower CPI and PPI numbers this month. And now we're seeing that. That's what we're seeing. Okay, the. Uh, Uh, The last 12 months, over the last 12 months, what is is the inflation rate? 2.2%, and it was last month 2.5% because of higher oil prices. So where are we? We're about where we started the year. That's where we are. It was about 2% last year. Now, you probably say, well, didn't he say that inflation is 1.8? That's the PCE number. Don't you just love all these numbers? <laughs> they can get pretty complex. That's a different inflation number. And that's the inflation number the Fed likes to use, the PCE number, not these, PPI and CPI. I, I like looking at all of them. But So what happened? Well, it's oil. Oil fell. Oil prices fell. Gasoline prices fell. And therefore, inflation fell. Okay. So we really don't have an inflation problem. And I've been saying this till I'm blue in the face for well over a year. We're not going to have an inflation problem. And we're not, I'll say it again, we're not going to have an inflation problem. You know why I believe this is true? Because everywhere else in the world, the EU, did you see that Germany's most recent quarter, they shrunk, their economy shrunk. One more quarter like that, and they'll be in an official recession. You see what's going on in France with all those riots every weekend? You don't think that's going to affect their economy? Yeah. It's going to affect our economy dramatically. It's going to shrink. Uh, The EU, the Brexit, the Brexit from Britain leaving the EU, you don't think that's going to have an effect on Britain and its economy? Of course it will. Maybe even the EU. So, and, and think about it, if Germany goes into recession, Germany is 20, 25% of the EU block. <laughs> so, And then you got China slowing down its growth. Where is the inflation pressure going to come from? Our, our economy is the only one that's doing really well, and we are, we are predicting, everybody is predicting a slowdown next year, which is kind of obvious. Not necessarily, not necessarily a recession next year, but at least a slowdown in economic activity. There's no inflation pressure. Now people will say, well, wait a minute, we have this extra low unemployment rate. Therefore, salaries are going to increase. Well, we have salaries are increasing and doing quite well. They're increasing. But there's no systemic inflation pressure. It's not there. So why is the Federal Reserve raising rates? They shouldn't be raising rates. That's going to throw us into a recession. They keep doing that. Okay, we're now in a recession. There's no – got to worry about deflation, not inflation and recessions. Okay, let's see if we can squeeze in one more call before we have to take a break. Here's a call that came in earlier on the anytime, anytime listener line number, 888-99-CHART.
3: Hello, Steve or Justin. I'm Julián calling from Barcelona, Spain. And I would like to ask you a question regarding restaurant brand international, the Burger King chain. I'm looking to buy. I would like to know your opinion. I think it has reasonable numbers. My only concern is the debt. I see they have a net debt EBITDA of more than six. I wonder why that is. Anyhow, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Thank you for the good program. I love it. And see you soon. Bye-bye.
2: Spain, there's a place I'd like to go. I've never been to Spain. I've been to Europe twice in my life, and that's within only the last, what, eight years. <laughs> so um, uh, I, I would love to go to Spain. Okay, rest, the, the QSR is a symbol. It's Restaurant Brands International, and everybody knows them as either Burger King or Horton's Restaurant Brands, Horton's. They have 24,000 locations, okay? So they're quite large, uh, and they're, they're in, in many other countries. Their sales growth is pretty sustainable and pretty good, about ten to fifteen percent. In recent quarters, it's been higher than that, but pretty. You know, I wouldn't give it more than ten or fifteen percent growth rate. Um, and they're going to make two seventy-five, two dollars seventy-five cents next year. At fit, at where they are in the low fifties, that's a good place to buy, but it doesn't mean they're cheap. Uh, they're not inexpensive. PE weighs 53, almost 54 dollars, and two dollars and 75 cents means it's about a 20 PE, a little expensive. This is Invest Talk, and I'm Steve Peasley. Our Wednesday program is heading to the finish line. We've got about 10 minutes left. And remember, please keep your anytime listener lines open around the clock, so you know you can call us. We keep our listener line open around the clock, so you can call now or later, whatever you want. But at the moment, I'm taking your calls live at 888 99Chart.
0: On the next Invest Talk, Uber and Lyft have filed for IPO. Can these two money losing businesses withstand wider investor scrutiny? That story tomorrow. But now, Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart
3: Hi, this is Deb from Massachusetts. I have a question about two different stocks. Just curious if this is a good entry point for a long-term investment, long-term position. Microsoft, MSFT, and Viva Systems, V-E-E-V. I'll listen on the podcast. Thank you
2: okay she's asking if it's a good entry position at these of these two stocks. both of these stocks held a, have, are held in holding up pretty well in this most recent weakness of the whole market. For instance uh, Viva systems veEV develops cloud-based software for sales and marketing functions. They're growing about mid20 percent range 25 percent range the last couple of times never been below 20. And so they've been very strong growth. They're a $13 billion company. Earnings are going to be up 67 cents this year and then up 13 cents next year. But you have to be willing to pay oh, 60 PE, 60 PE for Viva Systems. And for Microsoft, Microsoft, you have to be willing to pay a high 20s with much less growth. It's more like, 15 to 20% growth. So on, on those bases, you know, you can pay higher than normal PE ratios, but Microsoft looks less expensive to me than Viva. Both charts look fairly strong, held up pretty well in this most recent weakness. Um, so it, are they good entry points? Well, if, Viva uh, has been able to stay above its 200 day moving average at $84. It's at 92. It fell from 105 down to as low as 80 well, about $83. And then it's at 92. So it's held up very, very well. Uh, and so I think it's expensive at this point. I don't think I'd be in a rush to get into that. Microsoft topped at 115 and today's 109. And it also is above its 200-day moving, also above its 50-day moving average. So they're both holding up very, very well in a pretty tense market. So are they great entry points? No. Are they decent entry points? I think I would wait. I don't think I'd enter in either one of them at this stage. I would like to see both have a pretty decent pullback. But I think Microsoft would be a better bet on an entry point than the other one even though the other one's growing faster it's just much more expensive you have to pay pretty high price for that growth and this is not a time to be buying gross stocks as we've been saying for some time it's a time to be buying value stocks you know maybe just keep them on your buy list and wait for you know the next recession okay money for that to have for two years so okay. See, a lot of people lose track of those great ideas they had because it's hard to be that patient. And I know that's not uncommon. (laughs) It's hard to be patient. So Gunlatch, Gunlatch, he feels, okay, this is an article, he feels that the S&P lows, we haven't seen anything yet. Now, I've seen both ways, by the way. Now, there you know, the, he feels that the market just hasn't given back enough. There hasn't been enough panic. There hasn't, and that's all true. The market, there have we've not seen any exhaustive sell-off. We haven't seen high volume with the market going down. And yeah, so that's why he thinks that we're going to see more in 2019 of the same kind of action, and very possible we'll see a big fall. That's what he says. Now, you go to another hedge fund pioneer, Paul Tudor Jones, Tudor Jones uh, thinks 2018 may be better for traders than long-term investors. So, he feels that it's not going to be strong, but he thinks it's going to be a 15% move either way, up or down. That's his predict- his prediction. What I did find interesting is that John Bogle, founder of Vanguard Funds, he feels that it might be smart to add some uh, add some uh, uh, bonds to your portfolio. Remember, he's the guy that says, oh, just buy S&P 500, hold on to it, don't do anything else. That's all you need to do. And now he's saying, oh, maybe then be time to buy some bonds. Hmm. So not too many people are all that positive about 2019. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program, and I thank you for your little support of questions, listening. I want you to have a nice evening, and I'll be back tomorrow, Thursday. And Christmas, mind you, it's two weeks away. you got to do that shopping. Good night, everybody.
1: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.